When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. And for the final time in 2023, welcome to Off The Tee, the culmination of the PGA season. So much to talk about from the week of golf and maybe the year of golf as well. We'll have a little look back on And There's no one better to do that with than the former world number 16, the only man to take on Tiger Woods twice in match play golf and beat him both times. Nick, two and O'Hearn. Hello, my friend. G'day, Sam. And you know what I'm really looking forward to? Our nine-hole match that we're going to have. Yes, we're going to have the (laughs) off-the-tee championship. Uh, It'll just be a two-player field. Essentially, it's just a one-player field. (laughs) Given that we are about to speak about the... uh, about the the tour championship, which starts at a, with a handicap, what? How many shots for handicap would you give me over nine holes? Uh, what what are you playing off? What is your official handicap? I I've, I haven't put all the cards in yet. I've got okay. them all sitting well, there. I've just what got do you calc- think, What do you think it's going to be? I reckon it'll be about twenty or something. Twenty. Twenty. Okay. I always say to Maybe people, lower. if it's match play, yeah, I give people less. If it's stroke play, I give them more. So, say for nine holes, if I give you 12 shots for nine holes in match play, I'd give you 15 for stroke play or something like that. Okay, so I'd get a 15-shot lead. Start, but you have to count every shot in stroke play. See, match play is different. You just pick it up. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, We'll think about it. Yeah. I mean, I think... (laughs) <laughs> I think you're still. I think you're still probably winning by 15 shots, but oh, I appreciate the 15 shot buffer. Um, well, what a year uh, it's been, and uh, from a PGA point of view, this is how it culminated: the Tour Championship at East Lake in Atlanta. He's the season-long victor. He's 25, and he's a phenom. I tell you what, the it was pretty special walking down 18 there with all the people um, with a, uh, I believe, a five-shot lead. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. First person you called or are going to call? Uh, I haven't had time to be on my phone. I don't even have it in my pocket, but I'm sure I'll call uh, either mom or dad. One thing you learned from this season? Spin loft. <laughs> Best shot of the season. Holding one at Bay Hill was pretty cool. Um, what hole is that? Number seven with a seven iron. That was pretty sick. How else are you going to celebrate this big win? Uh, kind of just looking forward to hanging out with uh, with my friends and my team here for the night and then uh, fly back to Stillwater and, and uh, just relax and hang out with the guys on the team and, and uh, just put my feet up. Everybody's new favourite golfer. He is the FedEx Tour Championship was the coming of age, the new force in men's golf. Victor Hovland, 25 years of age, the Norwegian. He franked his BMW championship winning form. He left the field in his jet wash. He posted a final score of 27 under, a five-shot win, the biggest win and payday of his career, 18 million US, which makes it 21 million 
in the last eight days. That's in US dollars. What can we say, Nick, about not just the, 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 the two tournaments in a row, but the manner in which he dismantled the 30 best players of the PGA season? It was impressive, to say the least. The, the ball striking... 29, because he was 30. Yep. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> um, his ball striking from T to Green has always been superb. I mean, he's one of the best one of the best players from T to Green in the world, other than Scotty Scheffler at the moment. But his biggest improvement has obviously been with the short game. He, he yeah. earlier on in the year said he, he, he sucked at chipping, and that, and that was an area that he really wanted to improve. And, and he's done incredibly... Uh, some amazing work and, and funnily enough through the first three rounds actually for the whole tournament he led the field in scrambling which means if you miss a green uh, if you can get it up and down the higher mm. the percentage the better and he was better than anyone this week and I, I, I'd be very surprised if he did it in any other tournament where he led the field admittedly there's only 30 players as opposed to 100 but still you've got to have a great short game and what was fascinating the final round he's got the five shot lead over Xander Shoffley and or was it a six shot lead? I can't remember, but um, six, six. Yeah, going into that final round, Xander came out firing, and Hovland did not blink. I mean, no. he, he put together a four or five under front nine, and and Shoffley did the same. And then there was a big turning point on the fourteenth hole where the lead had gotten back to about three. Hovland didn't hit a good chip. Holes a twenty five footer for par, and Shoffley doesn't make birdie. Could have been a two shot swing there, and that would have made it a, a one stroke ball game. But uh, he, he kept that three shot buffer, and then ended up birding the final three holes. And it was just so emphatic. Any time the door was slightly ajar for Shoffley, Hovland just shut it. Yeah, I mean he had thirty on the front nine going out. Xander Shoffley, he had an eight under for the day. You've always said it is harder to hold a lead than chase a lead. He threw everything he had. His very very best. And it was it would have been good enough to beat anybody, I think, except this guy. And you're right, we always talk about there's the shot, there's the one, and you're right, that was the the, the putt on fourteen. And then he just went on a tear yeah. to, to finish it off. And um you speak about missing piece. Uh, he was asked about that. What was the missing piece for you uh, after the win? I'm very hard on myself and I, I felt like even though I had the game to compete, I never truly believed it. Um but after I had a couple of nice finishes in those professional events as an amateur, I, I started to believe a little bit more. I came out on tour. I, I got my car right away um, and kept on just putting up good finishes. And that's when I kind of believed that, man, I, I don't have to play my best game and, and still be up there and still be really competitive. Um, but at the, at, at the time, I didn't have all the tools. And ever since then, I've just kind of improved all the time i've just gotten better and better every single year and uh with that comes the belief and i feel like the belief was the the last missing piece so the belief was the last missing piece he said he didn't have all the tools he said earlier in the year as you pointed out that he sucks at chipping he's gone away and done a power of work on it the bloke that he did all the work with was actually interviewed about his chipping joe mayo had this to say about victor hovland's short game when you're dealing with a player of that caliber how can you tell me that a player can put a four iron on the back of the ball at 105 miles an hour and hit a four iron to a flag 250 yards away, but he can't chip the ball. I never accepted that. And he is showing to you now, he had it all along. I just showed him the math and he's a very, very smart kid. And he understands the math behind a steep angle of attack. So he knew mathematically it was correct. We did not even start short game until Tuesday of Riviera. Tuesday of Riviera was just the first conversation. 
and then I immediately put in the steep wrangle of attack moving forward. He started ripping chip shots off on day one. The total package, bunkers, pitch shots, chips, was not in until the Players' Championship. From Players to Memphis, Victor is gaining .176 shots per round, which is actually above average. It puts him at about 55th. When I came on board, he was like 150th. And that's not my brilliant teaching. That's, you're looking at a wonderful athlete. You're looking at an amazing player. And all he needed was just a little bit of good math, a little bit of good science, and he has taken it and is running with it. So it's improved even further since then, obviously, because you said he was able to lead them around in scrambling. So I love that part of the story as well, that he is fully aware of what he's good at, what he's not, and he busts his ass to fix the things that he's not and look at mm. the payoff, literally, that it's given him. Yeah, he's a human sponge, basically. He's always looking to improve any way he can. One of the big things he did look at, into was the stats, which Joe Mayo referred to there around his chipping, but also... He's been using a guy called uh, Eduardo Molinari, who's Francesco Molinari's brother, and he's very much one of the statistical wizards over on the European tour, and he noticed some trends about Victor having um, being too aggressive going into greens. So he said, look, you don't need to aim at pins because you're short-siding yourself and you're not getting the ball up and down. Aim for the middle of the green, get play away from the hole, and you will score better. So he learnt from little things like that. He's yeah. added the short game, the chipping to it. The scary thing is he's only 25 and he's got a big future in front of him. The last two Sundays, Kyle Porter tweeted 21 threes, 17 birdies. This is just the two Sundays. 124 total strokes for 16 under. 13 strokes gained, two trophies. Uh, he's had 10 straight rounds in the 60s. And in his own words, I don't think I've ever played this well before. Mm. It's incredible. And, yep. the be- and the best part about it, he's got an Australian caddy, Shay Knight, who's going yep. to get 10% of that $18 million US dollars. So he is, uh, he's a very happy camper as well. Yep. So uh, I think he only has to pay tax on it, uh, determinant of what that state tax <laughs> is. So I don't know what it is uh, in Georgia, but uh, well done to Shay as well. And I th- the other, when you watch them converse, um, Victor is fully very respectful yes and, and listens to everything they've got a, they seem to have a really really good relationship they really do Shay's you know always talking about Victor how um, not happy go lucky but he's very fun and 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 you never see the guy without a smile on his face and and that's carrying obviously through to his golf it's easy to smile when you're playing well but the scary thing was, I mean, for, I really feel for Xander Shoffley because if you look because it's a staggered mm. start we know there's a handicapped event. Both he and Hovland actually shot the same score for the four rounds, but Hovland had a five-shot lead yeah. on him to start the week, which is a culmination of how you play over the years, so he does deserve to take home that big winner's check. We're gonna, I'm going to play you some audio of, of a few people giving their views on the format. We'll, okay. we'll talk about the format in a moment. But just a couple of little things about Victor's win, just a couple of little weird ones. Uh, first time since Jimmy Derriman and Sam Sneed in 1950 when they won back-to-back tournaments in a four-tournament span. So Derriman won the Masters and then something else, and then the next two weeks Sneed won. Um, it's the first time since 1950 that they did it, that uh, over a four-tournament period that two players have won back-to-back weeks. Wow. Lucas Glover yep. and then into Victor Hovland. So that just goes to show you how rare it is to get two in a row. And for, for players to do that in succession is almost a, a, a you know, it's a... It, Haley's Comet yeah. sort of scenario, even rarer 
rare as rocking horse, you know what? He's the fifth international winner of the, the Tour Championship and the third youngest. Wow, that is impressive. That back-to-back stat kind of surprises me because I've always thought, well, the best time to win another golf tournament is straight after because you're playing well. (laughs) Yeah. But it does take so much out of you to get that first win, obviously, and people just kind of get worn out by the second. Um, I I read an article today, and we're going to speak Ryder Cup, and it just said, there was a quote, you know, it said he's going to be a handful. Oh, yeah. Well, Europe, they they have three of the best four players in the world right now. You've got Rom, uh, sorry, Ram, Rory and uh, Victor, and they're all on the European team. So uh, look out. Uh, So Victor Hovland, 27 under, a five-shot win over Xander Schofele at 22 under. He was 11 shots better off than the guy in third, which was Wyndham Clark, uh, who won the uh, the US Open. Rory McIlroy, despite the... The bad back, which Charles Barkley said to his face, I don't believe you. Uh, Rory oh, really? McIlroy, yeah. <laughs> Rory McIlroy uh, at 14 under finished fourth. Patrick Cantlay, who's had such a good record at this event, finished fifth. Xander Schofield, by the way, the sixth time he's finished inside the top seven. Every year that he's played the Tour Championship, he's been in the top seven. So uh, it's an incredible feat for him. Colin Morikawa at the 36-hole mark had actually broken Tiger Woods' record for this event, 127. Uh, he'd beaten that by two shots and then fell in a hole uh, in the next couple of days. He was tied for sixth with Tommy Fleetwood, Scott Scheffler. We'll talk about his year uh, tied for sixth. And then Sam Burns, Adam Schenk, Keegan Bradley, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homer were all tied for ninth. Uh, as we go to the break uh, on Off the Tee, our final episode for the year. And by the way, Nick O'Hearn has one more copy of his book to give away, How to Play Your Best Golf. Just text in a question for him uh, to help you with your game and what you need the most help with to improve. And if that's the question we read out to him for next tip of the week, then you will get a signed and uh, a personal message uh, enclosed within that copy and we'll send it out to you. So if you're someone who's already won one and you're wondering where it is, trust me, it's en route to you now. Uh, 0433981116 to text in your question for Nick. But as we go to the break, if you've won $21.6 million US in eight days, be curious to know how you'd spend that. Well, this is what Victor Hovland had to say. It's in your back of the, in the back of your mind. Obviously, it's it's a lot of cash you're playing for. I mean, it's in your back of the, in the back of your mind. But I, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, money goes a long ways there. It's obviously with how society works. Um, money is something you need. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. I think I've expressed my dislike towards the fact that you can come in ranks number one in the FedEx Cup. You can win every single tournament up until this one. You have a bad week, you finish 30th, and now you'll forever be known as 30th in the FedEx Cup this season. I don't think that's very fair. You know, I think this is supposed to be like our most important event um, all year, it kind of comes down to this moment, and like for people to be like a little bit confused, it's still not a finished product to me in that sense. But I mean, I get it; it's made for TV. It's more, it may be more exciting for the fans to have this type of format. But as players, I think it's not the best identifier of who's playing the best throughout the year. But with that being said, I'm starting this week with a two-shot lead, and I mean, I'm not complaining about it. It's pretty nice. A few of the biggest names in golf uh, as we welcome you back to Off the Tee for the final time in 2023. Um, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and there was a few others that lent their voice to a sort of a growing list, uh, especially of the, some of the world's very best players, Nick, of the format 
of the tour championships. We know that each year, uh, the season, you accrue FedEx Cup points and you've got to be, for this year, you have to be inside the top 70 to make uh, the uh, the St. Jude's and then the top 50 uh, from that point on to make the BMW and then the top 30. And then once you're in the top 30, it was a staggered start. So Scotty Sheffler had a two-shot lead over Victor Hovland and down and down and down it went. Um there's a few people throwing up ideas. One of them was um, Dan Rappaport saying that maybe the, the, the first two days of stroke play and then it, uh, there's a cut and then it goes into match play for the next two days. But are you okay with the, how the format sits to how to, I suppose, reach a, a, a culmination of the season and crown a, a tour champion? It's better now in the fact that you know that they're not playing for two trophies because what used to happen is they had the winner of the tournament and then the winner of the FedEx Cup. So you're never quite sure what was going on. At least this way, you're just playing for one trophy at the end of the week. Mm. And the staggered start is is okay. Um, and it's probably the best format that they've had for this FedEx Cup over the years. They've tweaked it quite a bit, but I still think they haven't quite got it right. Personally, I mean, I am a fan of match play, <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see a match play sort of format going on, um, whether it's stroke play and then qualify in that, in that scenario. But I, I don't think so. I'd, I'd say maybe an option might be to say, hey, take, let's take the top eight players from the year and, and have at it. I mean, every other sport you think of, say it's uh, the AFL or, mm. or the NFL or whatever that's coming up, you go into the playoffs and if you lose, you go home. You know, you, you could have led that. You could have been number one team all year. In, in the AFL, it's different. You get two chances, obviously, in the first week. If you lose, mm. you get another chance. But you get beaten that second time and you're gone. That, that Leading the ladder means nothing. And in this case, Scotty Scheffler at uh, 10 under, he had the two-shot lead. He, he was nine in front of Morikawa going in and into the first day, and then all of a sudden he's one behind after one round because Morikawa shot nine under and Scheffler shot one over or something. So And that happened to him last year as yeah. well. He had a two-shot lead uh, going into it. Rory ended up winning. Yep. Um, so yep. it doesn't guarantee you a win. And at the end of the day, look, they've all made a boatload of money throughout the yep. year. Scotty Scheffler, he's won $26 million this year, so I wouldn't feel too sorry for him. Same with John Rahm. They've made so much cash this year, and then they're worried about the FedEx Cup and how it's all planning out. But at the end of the day for them, it's the four majors... The, the FedEx Cup is certainly becoming more of a um, uh, some cachet to it. It never really used to have that, I guess. It was just it's all about the money, and it still is all about the money, to be honest. And in a way, that's a bit sad. But um, they'll, they'll, they'll keep tweaking it. And at the moment, I think this staggered start is probably the best format that I've seen so far. So I like the idea that there's a – it almost is like finals. Like you've got a week one of the finals, which is St. Jude's, and then if you can get through that, then you can get to the BMW. And then if you can get through that and be in the top 30 – then you make the tour championship. I do like the idea of a full match play situation. I mean, it almost becomes like, uh, and there would be advantages for where you finish, depending on, you know, like it'd be almost like a seeding. Mm. You know, you'd get an easier draw depending on your seeding, like a tennis tournament for the for the final. Um, and then you would get work your way through over the days and, and see where you're at come come the fourth. But yeah. is that too many players at 30 to to have a, a match play I think for over match, four days? I think for match play it is, yeah. Then what's the ideal number then if you're going to do it like well, that? Because that would be fascinating. Yeah, I, I think probably eight Yeah, and and, okay. make, and make it a three-day event or, or something. Just just keep it nice and short and sweet. You could do 16, make it a four-day event if you wanted to do it that way. But yeah. the problem with having match play and only so few players is between shots. It was like watching uh, Hovland yeah, and Schoffler, for instance. They were a hole behind and they were the last group playing the last couple of holes and... Yeah, Jim Nance, they were just trying to fill airtime basically because you just saw him walking and then it gets a little bit tedious and a bit boring when you come to that final group. So 
I don't know how they're going to do it. And, uh, yeah, good luck to them. Now, explain in a minute, because the the spring or the autumn series is set to go now. Yeah. Which is for the people that finished um, outside that top 70, You, they've got a, a series of events now that they play and they can still... And it's all about what, this, this autumn series? Uh, so, basically, you had the top 50, you know, who made the BMW Championship. They're guaranteed all those signature events next year. They're into the probably all the majors and, and all the big events that you'd want to be in, basically. I think from 51 onwards, they're, they're going to start playing this fall series or autumn series, whatever they're going to be called. But they're also playing for your tour card because top 125 mm. keep your card. So those fringe players at the bottom there, they're, they're also trying to uh, keep their status for next year. But the players outside that top 70, for instance, they're trying to work their way into the top 70 so that they can get into those bigger events yeah. uh, next year as well. So there's about six to seven events coming up. We've got a two-week break now on the schedule for the PGA Tour. The Ryder Cup's coming up. So there's still plenty of golf at the end of the year. You win at one of those tournaments, it gets you a two-year exemption. Um, You do accumulate FedEx Cup points, but they don't carry over to the start of next season, which will be a calendar season. So for those who have had the year to finish top 30, top 50, they can take a break and not have to worry about, well, I'm going to be behind the eight ball once the season starts uh, again. Exactly. Now, and that's the thing with a lot of the players. Sometimes they fight. Like Ram, for instance, he's worn out. Um, you can tell. Scheffler, I think he needs a few weeks off as well. But they've got the Ryder Cup coming up. But I don't think they'll pick up a club for a week or two, and then they'll get stuck in uh, for the uh, event at Marco Simone. Hey, we're going to give. Uh, we're going to talk all things Ryder Cup after the break. We're also going to give out some awards: Player of the Year, Comeback of the Year, mm. Aussie Player of the Year. Uh, that's all still to come. And off the tee. around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. I think if anyone, if someone came along, if someone came along to any of us on the team and said, okay, we're going to put you out with Victor today, I don't think anyone would say no. Just put it that way. I think four balls, foursomes, uh, you know, and it's Victor, but it's also Shea as Caddy. You know, they're a great duo, great to get along with. You know, you know, I really enjoyed my my day with them on Sunday last week when he when he shot shot the lights out. So, um, yeah, the the other eleven guys on the European team, I don't think would have an issue if they went out with Victor. Uh, welcome back to Off the Tee. That was Rory McIlroy talking after the Tour Championship, the FedEx. Uh, Victor Hovland put everybody in the rear view by five shots to claim that win. And now with Ryder Cup just around the corner, Nick, I mean, he is the form player going into Ryder Cup and Europe have, as you said before, three out of the top four players in the world in John, uh, Rory McIlroy is number two in the world, John Rahm, who's number three in the world, and Victor Hovland, who's now number four in the world. Scotty Scheffler has the world number one ranking and Patrick Cantlay in at number five. Um, they shape as a scary, scary proposition uh, heading in to um, to Rome on yeah. uh, September 29th. Yeah, they certainly do. The, the Europeans are looking very strong. I mean, the top eight, I, I think, for Europe looks really good. At the same time, the US team, their top six are obviously very strong and then they've got a... They've got some interesting choices coming up. So if we would go through the automatic picks for the US at the moment, it's Scheffler, Clark, Cantlay, Harmon, Homer and Shoffley. So there's your automatic six. And then they need to pick six players, which should come out. I thought it was going to be today, but I think they're going to be announced tomorrow. 
uh, Zach Johnson. For me, th- this is who I think he's going to pick. He's going to go with Spieth, Young, Morikawa. They're, they're definite three. And I have a feeling he's also going to pick Fowler and Justin Thomas. Now, Justin Thomas will be a very controversial pick in the fact that he hasn't been playing that well. But if you're a European, you do not want to be facing Justin Thomas because him and Spieth in the team format, they're almost unbeatable, those guys. They just gel yeah. so well. We spoke about his record, which I don't have the stats up, but we did last week give his numbers in Ryder Cup and they are far superior to most. Yeah, it is. And then so Johnson basically, it's out of these four players, I think, who's going to get the last pick. It's either going to be Brooks Kepka, who you'd think would get the pick. He would a major. Just missed here. out. Yep. Uh, Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns and Lucas Glover. I don't think Glover will get the pick for me it's either going to be out of brooks or sam burns because burns is a real he's a great player phenomenal putter which is very important in match play and he's a great team man the only thing going against brooks obviously is you know there's obviously the live pga tour rivalry but i think if they want to get the piff thing over the line they probably need to pick him because it's going to cause a lot of controversy if they don't pick brooks and um yeah i tell you what zach johnson he uh, he's under the pump in the next 24 hours he is, um, and the European team don't seem to have as many of, of these issues. When you look mm. down the page, I mean, we just spoke about Hovland and McElroy uh, and Rahm, as we know, but, you know, Tommy Fleetwood was tied for sixth. Um, yeah. Matt Fitzpatrick was tied for ninth. Uh, Sepp Straka was tied for 14th. Uh, Terrell Hatton was tied for 16th. So, you know, all their guys, but- all the European guys... <laughs> Are playing well. They're the all pl- yeah, and and I mean their automatic qualifiers right now are probably Rory, Rahm, Hovland, Hatton, and Fleetwood, and then uh, Robert McIntyre. He's on that third spot on the on the European yeah. list that he needs to get. But he had a good week uh, on the DP World Tour. He finished tied for fourth, so I think he's locked up that spot. So there's really your top six, and then after that, it's Seamus Power to see because he was forty mm, first. No, he's the, a long way out. I, yeah. I, I, he's not going to be. Pick- I mean, I, I think he's going to be picking Fitzpatrick. Seb Strucker, uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose and Adrian Moronk because Moronk has won around this golf course in, in Italy. So yep. he's got to pick one player out of the, the next sort of few players. And I have a feeling he's going to go with this Ludwig Aberg, who's a young Swede, only just turned pro, but is one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. And that's what I'm hearing. And uh, this golf course, you do need that. I think it's going to be out of either him or uh, Rasmus Hoygaard, someone like that. So, so who's winning? Who's it's hard wh- to know when they don't have the teams. It, yeah, I, I, I think. Look, if, if you, I mean, if you're going off the, all right, take it, take it from who you know is going to be playing. If, yep. you, if, if just based on who you know, mm-hmm. who do you lean towards at the moment? Well, the US obviously crushed the Europe at the last uh, Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. The thing that's going in the favour of Europe is you, you know the US haven't won on European soil in 30 years. Last Ooh. time was at the Belfry in 1993, I think it was. It has been so long, so they've got those sort of demons there. The other thing is that the top European players are playing well right now. So other than Rahm, really, and he's still one of the favourites, but he fires up for the Ryder Cup. He lives for this. I'm I think it's going to be really close, but I'm going to give a slight edge to the Europeans. Yeah, I'm with you. On that, mm. and I think I just think that they seem a bit more settled, and I think that their best players are playing their yeah. best golf. I mean, maybe except for John Rahm, yeah. but but after a freshen up, um, he'll come back, yeah, and, and I think and 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 tear it up. So, um, by the way, we didn't mention that Jason Day was the only Aussie playing uh, at the Tour Championship, finished twenty eighth, and just a lazy five hundred and twenty thousand US uh, for for his troubles. Um, 
the other big news for, from uh, from an Australian golfing point of view, which we need to speak about at some stage, um, and all our news on off the tee is for ping golf, ping golf equipment, so you can play your best. Is that, and it's a great story, is that Cam Smith has confirmed that he will play the Australian PGA at Royal Queensland, November twenty third, and the Australian Open at the Australian and the Lakes, November thirtieth. So there was a bit of conjecture about whether he and or Jason Day, whose wife's about to go any day now, uh, Adam Scott. Um, Mark Leishman, whether those guys would actually play. We know that Minwoo Lee is definitely coming as well. Uh, we think that Lucas Herbert will come as well. Not sure about Cam Davis yet. Mm. But that's a huge one that Cam Smith has won three times uh, on the Live Tour this year. Uh, they got their first Ripper GC win. He was top ten at two of the majors this year, Cam. And, uh, yeah, that's a massive, massive win for the Australian summer. It certainly is. Uh, it's great that he's committed this early as well so it can get everyone fired up for the uh, for the Australian Open. We're going to have the men and the women playing together again, which is great. They have tweaked the format. I think there won't be a third round cut this time around. There was some, you know, some complaints from the players about how slow the play was over yep. the weekend, things like that. So I think that they've tweaked that nicely. It'll be a much more streamlined event and um, hopefully we can then add... Adam Scott and Mark Leishman to the list very soon. So I thought we might do some uh, some awards. Yeah. For for the PGA mainly, but um, okay. for, for the because their season's done and dusted now. And, and I thought our categories could be the Player of the Year, the Rookie of the Year, okay, and the the Comeback of the Year and the Aussie of the Year. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with? The Aussie. Okay. The so the nominees, I should have had all the bells and whistles for this, <laughs> no, but okay. we'll, rip, we'll rip through it. So the Aussie of the year. So the nominees for right. Australian of the year. Uh, all they had to do is just to play some events on the PGA Tour. <laughs> uh, the nominees are Cam Smith uh, was top ten at two of the majors okay. uh, this year. Jason Day um, had was second uh, on the Open. He won an event for the first time in a long time. Uh, this year uh, as well. Cam Davis uh, had uh, his, some of his best performances in majors, made uh, the BMW Championship for being inside the top 50. Uh, and Minwoo Lee, who was um, inside the top 10 of every one of the majors by the halfway mark mm. and uh, and had his best finish in a major at the Open, I'm fairly sure, or was it the uh, the PGA, or the US, sorry, the US Open? US Open, he had the fifth. Yeah, yeah US Open, correct. sorry, it was. He yeah. had the, the tied for fifth. Mm. So who was the Australian player of the year? <laughs> well, are we taking this worldwide or just PGA Tour? That's the question. If we're going worldwide, well, it's got to be Cam Smith. If yep. it's just focusing more on the PGA Tour, I think it's Jason Day for the way he has really played some outstanding golf. Yep. You know, ranked, what, was he 120 and got it down into the top 20 in the world at some stage. So uh, I think in that regard, it's Jason. But if we're talking all over the world, then... Cam Smith's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think uh, I'm with you. Mm. Cam Smith uh, is the the Aussie Player of the Year. Minwoo Lee, though, is just I, – I, I shudder to think what he might do yeah. next year. I, I'm going to throw something in there on the female side for me. Yep. Gabby Ruffles. I think winning yep. three times on the uh, Epsom Tour and she's going to have her mm. uh, LPGA card next year. I think she's been the best female yep. player this season. Uh, and if it wasn't for um, Rose Zhang, I think that Grace Kim would be the Rookie of the Year on the LPGA. Uh, got her first win. Mm. Um, stiff competition, though, in Rosang. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see how Fair. that goes as well. Um, the, the Rookie of the Year, and we don't know a whole lot about uh, a lot of these guys, but did you have a, a Rookie of the Year that you thought... Um, 
Not really. The PGA <laughs> <point of> view. <laughs> so, Who were the nominees? Well, I mean, because I, I think Rose Zhang, as you just said. Well, that's a good uh, one. That's on the LPGA side. But um, Eric Cole, the thirty-five-year-old. Yes, that, that, that's the guy um, we were thinking of um, earlier. I think he's he's played some outstanding golf, but he's thirty-five, as you say. Yeah, finished forty-third um, for the for the FedEx mm. Cup ranking. Uh, Taylor Montgomery uh, finished forty seventh. Yes. He got off to a great start. Uh, he came yep. off the Corn Ferry Tour last year, hits the ball an absolute mile, and and then he just kind of faded mid season, which was a bit strange. But um, he'll uh, he'll yeah. keep learning. Uh, Thomas Detry, uh, the uh, DP World Tour veteran, uh, came over to the PGA. Vincent Norman, uh, and then your man Ludwig Aver, uh, Aberg mm. is uh, one of the nominees as well. Yeah, well, I don't think he's put together a, you know a great season as of yet on the PGA Tour. I think you've got to go with Eric Cole in that regard. All right. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Okay. The comeback oh, of the yes. year. The nominees are. All right. And I'm going to read you out their ranking uh, as well. Okay. Because I think that will help uh, with this. Jason Day, start of the year 112th, is now ranked 22nd in the world. The only Aussie to make the 30-man uh, FedEx Cup Tour Championship field. Uh, won his first tournament in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier this year and had some good results at some of the majors as well. Ricky Fowler, who started the year 103rd in the world, is now 25th in the world. Um, He won his first tournament in six years this year and also had some really strong finishes in the majors um, and was right in the thick of it uh, in the top 30 uh, for the Tour Championship as well. Lucas Glover, another one who he won two tournaments in a row at the back end of the year, including the St. Jude, um, 42, 43 years of age, hadn't won in a long, long time. He's now in the mix for uh, a Ryder Cup berth. And Brooks Kepka is my <laughs> other one. So Brooks started the year. Um, we know that he had left Live Golf, but he was 52nd in the world. He only is allowed to play the majors. He, because of his performance at the majors... Um, and winning the PGA, he is now 13th, uh, sorry, 14th in the world and got as high as 13th just from playing the majors. He made up that territory from outside the top 50. Yeah. Well, who's, if, the, who's the comeback player of the year for if, you? If you watch the Netflix series Full Swing, you'd probably think Brooks Kepka because his game was in complete Mentally disarray. shot. He was gone. Yep. So in that regard, I think you go with him. But, um, yeah, it's, it's either out of him or Ricky Fowler, to be honest. I, I think Ricky's... Um, Done some really good things this past year. Obviously, Jason Day has. Mm. And we've got a soft spot And Ricky there, right in the mix for Ryder yes, Cup as well. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, he could have easily won that US Open, didn't, but then he came back a couple of weeks later and won in Detroit. And yep. uh, he's just had a really rock-solid year and he's he's reshaped his game under Butch Harmon and, and done a, done an incredible thing, I think. I mean, he wasn't that, he was just outside the top 100, so it wasn't like he'd capitulated completely. All right, this is the tough one. The player of the year, and it's really only three players. I've got, only got three nominees from this. So, John Rahm, mm-hmm. four wins, ten top tens, three out of the first seven tournaments he won, including, uh, and then went on to win the Masters. He had top tens in three majors and ranked number one going into the playoffs. Number two of the nominees, Scotty Scheffler. Two wins for the year, 17 top tens, the best aggregate score out of all the majors despite not winning one. He did win the players Victor and finishes the year ranked number one. Victor Hovland, three wins, nine top tens, second best aggregate score at all the majors, didn't win one. But he did win the Tour Championship and the BMW Championship and had um, top tens in two 
of the majors and then was tied 13th at the Open and then 19th at the US Open. Scotty Scheffler tied 10th at the Masters, second PGA, third at the US Open and 23rd at the Open. And Ram won the Masters, 50th at the PGA, 10th at the US Open and tied for second at the Open. Who, mm. Nico Hearn, is the player of the year? <laughs> well, I am going to say it is John Ram because the major outweighs a lot of other things. He had four yep. wins, more wins than the other guys. Yes, he didn't play great towards the end of the season. If you look at it as a whole consistently, Scheffler was probably the most consistent player, but Hobland finished well, but that major just tips him over the edge for me. Oh, I could not agree with you more. Okay. Uh, I, I am in On the wholehearted same uh, agreement with you. I mean, what he uh, was able to do this year, especially at the start of the year, was extraordinary the form he was in. He was a dominant force. And I'm going to say something that might be a little unpopular. I wonder how good he would be if he gets as fit as some of the other players on tour. Well, he actually is pretty fit. No, I know. Yeah. But I'm talking about if he gets Rory fit. Well, I don't... Th- his body shape and everything... Is not I know. Th- it's not going to be that way. If someone sent me his workout for for, okay. for the day today, and it is phenomenal what he does throughout the day. So He did run out of steam at the end of the yeah. year. Is that? Do you think that's a fitness thing or is that a fatigue thing or what, what might it be? I just think he's just played too much. I yep. think it's more a fatigue thing. And, um, you know, he's a very emotional player. So every week he plays and he's up there, he, uh, he really you know, brings it everything to the fore and I think that can maybe hurt him in the long run. Maybe he needs to just schedule in a few more breaks throughout the year. Who knows? He's also a new father and all that sort of yeah. thing as well. So, oh, you yeah. know I love him. You know, I absolutely love him. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I, I think that he could dominate, dominate the, the golfing world. And I'm just asking the question, is, yeah. is he as fit as he needs to be? Oh, I think so. He's, yep. golf, he's golf fit and, then, yep. and that's okay. what you need to be. You know, when you look at the, him and Rory, obviously you go, oh, Rory's much fitter, but no, he's golf fit and he's very strong. Beautifully done. The awards for 2023 for the men's side of things as well. Of course, the LPGA is still going and they've got several tournaments before uh, their season-ending tour championship in November. Uh, the Solheim Cup squads are out, though, uh, as well. You can jump on the website and check out all of those. We've got to tidy up some loose ends uh, on the other side of the break. The Mulligan. Nick's got to give the last couple of pieces to their ultimate golfer and then his tip of the week. That's all still to come in the last five minutes of Off the Tee for 2023. On SEN. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off the Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Um, Nick, uh, the Australian golf world in mourning, um, popular, popular member of the golfing fraternity, Glenn Joyner, who was a, a former winner on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Um, he'd won on the uh, PGA Legends Tour as well. Passed away on Saturday. It was a, a week shy of his 59th birthday, uh, a year-long battle with stage four bowel cancer. Um, very, very sad. It certainly was, yeah. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and his wife, Carolyn. And, um, yeah, he was he was such a nice guy, just one mm. of the most well-liked guys on tour. Very, very good player. And, you know, when, while he was going through chemo and the cancer treatment, he still went out and played because that's what he loved to do. And he was, I believe, put into palliative care a, a little while ago. But he came home and um, and unfortunately passed away. So our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, to the family. Yeah, Carolyn and, and, and the family and, and all the friends too of, uh, of Glenn Joyner. Um, yeah, um, our deepest, deepest sympathies and, and one of the good guys. Gone. Certainly was, yep. Um, 
Nick, you've been building the ultimate golfer, mm. um, which we'll get to in just a moment. But do you have a mulligan? Uh, the your final mulligan of the year. We could have, we should have maybe given the the. <laughs> Given the the year mulligan, the the, the person for the Ooh. year that most deserved a mulligan, but this is the weekly segment, the mulligan, where we just find someone who could have used with a take two. Yeah, there was a good one on the champions to uh, uh, this week. Paul Goidos, he was leading the tournament, playing the last. He was a par three. He had a three foot uphill putt for the win, and four putted for a triple bogey six. Oh, it dear. was horrific, unfortunately. Oh, and BJ Singh ended up uh, winning that tournament. So for Paul. Who's a lovely guy? Um, yeah, he's going to regret that one for a little while. That's the mulligan. Oh, that's, that's heartbreaking. Tough, that's <laughs> heartbreaking. Yep. Uh, okay, so we're building the ultimate golfer. Now, I just need to. Have you got. Now, here we go. So here's where we're up to the ultimate golfer, the drive of Scotty Scheffler. Yes. The fairway, fairway wood of Henrik Stenson. Yep. The long irons of the bear, Jack Nicholas. Yes. The mid irons of Colin Morikawa. The wedges of Steve Stricker. Mm-hmm. This is the ultimate goal for taking the best parts of uh, the players you think execute this particular club and skill better than anyone. Yep. So that only leaves us. Well, we had we had chipping. We did yes. uh, last week. That was Sevi. Sevi Ballesteros. And we had bunkers. Yes. Um, who did I give bunkers? I think it was Peter Fowler, right? Was it Chucky? Yes. I think it was it Chucky. Was. Yes. And now this week we have the putting and the mental game. So I've made a point where I'm not giving the same, you know, different categories to the one person because you could do yep. multiple in this regard. But putting, I'm going to go with Ben Crenshaw. He, I played with Ben a few times and the display he put on was just unbelievable. And it wasn't technical. It was all very artistic. He would just walk around. He wouldn't bend down. You know, he, people talk about him being a great putter, but he was a great green reader. And that's the, one of the keys to being a great putter is you have to read the greens well, very well. So Ben Crenshaw is the putting. So what I love about this is that I said to you, you can only use one person once. That yes. was the caveat that I put on. And I've Otherwise, <laughs> you could have just said, and yeah. I love that I think I know where this is going. So <laughs> all of those things are great. Yes. But what is the most important club in every golfer's uh, bag, Nick? It's that 15th, the one between the ears, the mental game. Right. And who and are you goes... taking the mental game and the mind of? Oh, uh, well, it's got to be Tiger Woods, <laughs> hasn't it? <laughs> the, the scary thing with Tiger is he won so many tournaments with his B yeah. and C game. And when he did play well, when he had his A game, he won by 10 shots. That's how good the guy was. I think his winning percentage was uh, 23%. Oh, it's frightening. For his so. career. Yeah. It's insane. That's my last random Tiger stat for the year, by the way. I like to throw <laughs> one in every week or so. All right, we've got about a minute left. And uh, the last copy of uh, Nico O'Hearn's How to Play Your Best Golf. We've done all the news for Ping Golf Equipment, custom engineered, custom fit and custom built for you to play your best. Big thank you to P- for Ping for being on board all throughout the year. And for all our sponsors who have, including Mizuno Golf, hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Nick's tip of the week. Hi, Nick. Crush it on the range, but I'm struggling to bring that swing to the course. How do I fix that? Cheers from Dom. That is a very good question. It's something I hear a lot because people get on the range and they, they hit the ball well and then they go on the course and all of a sudden, oh, it's gone. It's not there. The thing about the range is you're just hitting ball after ball. So you can get into a nice rhythm and you can hit some good shots quite consistently. So there's a couple of things you can do. You can do some randomised practice where you don't use the same club twice in a row. You, you maybe hit your seven iron and then you go to your fairway wood and then you go back to your wedge and then your driver. It's almost as though you're playing the course. Another way to do it is also to play a game on the range where you put yourself under a bit of pressure, work on your pre-shot routine and have a target and you have to achieve something because on the course, every shot you've got to achieve a result. Whereas on the range, you just hit in this open space. So try and put yourself under a bit of pressure and you can take that out onto the course. It is all in the copy of the book, How to Play Your Best Golf, which is coming your way. So uh, we'll get your details, Dom. 
We'll send that out to you, the last copy of the year. Thanks to everybody that texted in. We'd love to give you all a copy, but we just can't. Nick, Mizuno Golf, find your nearest stockers or fit mizunogolf.com slash you. It's all in the podcast, mate. It's been great to spend the, uh, the season with you. Yeah, can't wait to have our game too, Sam. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Hey, until next time, happy hitting. <laughs>